MyFormosa has unveiled its latest polls on the presidential election. Support for the DPP ticket headed by Lai Qingde increased to 38.9% compared with a previous poll. Following Lai is the KMT's Hoyoi, whose support ratings dropped to 29.4%. This difference of 9.5 percentage points is the largest ever margin between KMT and DPP seen in recent polls. As for the TPP's Ke Wenzhe, he's trailing in last place with 17.2%. The poll also asked respondents about whether they would like to see a change in government. Just over 36% said they would like the DPP to stay in power. 26.9% said they would like a switch to the KMT and 14.1% support a TPP administration. Taiwan's presidential candidates presented vastly different energy policies in the second round of televised presentations on Tuesday. TPP presidential candidate Ke Wenzhe lambasted the DPP's presidential candidate Lai Qingde, saying he would lose many votes if he stuck to the DPP's platform of creating a nuclear-free homeland by 2025. Meanwhile, the KMT's presidential candidate Ho Yoi said the use of nuclear power was an international trend. Lai, for his part, said it was written into law that the last nuclear power plant be decommissioned by the end of 2025, and this was the basis for President Tsai's plan to be nuclear-free by 2050. Earlier this month, Taiwan picked Che, meaning lacking, as the character that defined 2023. The presidential election has also focused on issues relating to a potential lack of power in Taiwan. I advocate that the life of our number three nuclear power plant should be extended, and our number four nuclear power plant should have an inspection as soon as possible before we decide on the next step. At this point, I really can't help but ask candidate Lai Qingde, do you really insist on a nuclear-free homeland in 2025? Because I'm telling you now, if you stick to this, you'll lose the majority of votes in the business world. The law stipulates that by the end of 2025, the second reactor in Taiwan's number three nuclear power plant must be decommissioned. Under these circumstances, we took the opportunity to draft a plan to be nuclear-free by 2050. It's not like we'll turn off nuclear reactors while they can still run. The KMT's presidential candidate Ho Yo Yi even endorsed the recently concluded United Nations Climate Change Conference, saying that nuclear power is an international trend. The UN's Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change concluded with several advanced countries pledging to triple nuclear power by 2050. COP28. At COP28, 22 countries stated that they hope to triple their nuclear power by 2050. Some countries did make such a proposal, but that was not the consensus of the conference. The conference consensus was to triple renewables. In addition to nuclear energy, the pro-China candidates separately presented competing visions of the ECFA and cross-strait relations. You used to call the ECFA sugar-coated poison, but after seven years, you still dare not to abolish it. If I were to become president on the basis of equality, dignity and friendship, we will negotiate issues related to the ECFA as quickly as possible, especially the trade barriers China has recently adopted against us. That is, next year in January, the rates they will begin to impose on 12 petrochemical products that we export to China. Originally, there were zero tariffs and they will increase to anywhere between 2% and 10%. I will definitely talk to them about this. 
Using ECFA and business as a way to force government actions is a tactic used by the KMT. Mayor Ho should explain to the people why China's Ministry of Commerce announced an investigation into trade barriers the day after KMT Vice Chair Andrew Xia visited China and whether the actions later adopted in relation to the ECFA were a result of collusion. You say we must relaunch cross-strait service trade, prepare to open up to a large number of Chinese students coming to Taiwan and lock the economy into China. While completely ignoring the impact on Taiwanese society. Lai Qingde once again said he would arrange for more economic and trade exchanges with countries in the Americas and Europe if elected president. President Tsai Ing-wen recently paid a visit to Elan to support a legislative candidate she is mentoring. But as her presidential term comes to an end, it's not only Taiwanese voters who are thinking about her influence and legacy. A French journalist has published a book that offers praise of Tai's eight years in office. The journalist Arnold Velloran also commented on the three presidential candidates, saying Hou Yi was a traditional KMT candidate who lacked innovation and that the TPP's Koenzhe started out well but lost support after he began talks with the KMT on an alliance. He also criticized DPP presidential candidate Lai Qingde for rhetoric that's a bit bland, but added Lai's running mate Xiao Bi Kim could help pull in votes from younger people. The wind was cold, but the people surrounding her were enthusiastic. President Tsai Ing-wen is in Yilan, stumping for a legislative candidate she is backing, Chen Junyu. Everyone knows that I ran for president three times, but didn't get elected the first time around. However, my good friends in Elan like me very much. Although I didn't win in 2012, I got a majority of votes in Elan. President Tsai is finishing the end of her eight-year rule by getting out and urging people to vote. Now that her eight years in office are up, an international journalist had a few words of praise for Tsai. When I first came to Taiwan in 2015, Tsai Ing-wen was still a presidential candidate and was campaigning. At that time, the foreign media rarely discussed Taiwan. Eight years later, we know that there is a democratic country opposite China. We've seen how Taiwan has risen on the international stage. A witness to Taiwan's rise in the international community, this journalist from the French publication Liberal gives President Tsai a positive evaluation, along with in-depth observations of the three presidential candidates. I think the KMT candidate is a typical KMT candidate. Looking at it from the outside, in terms of political innovation, his rhetoric is extremely poor. The DPP candidate, current Vice President Lai Qingde, is mainly focused on continuing Tsai Ing-wen's discourse. I feel his current momentum is a bit too soft. Now there is a running mate, Shelby Kim, to partner with him. I think this may be very interesting. She's a woman and she has international experience. I think she could also attract young people. I think this is not surprising as the DPP needs the support of young people. I think Kowaja's campaign was very good at the start, but when he considered merging with the KMT, even though importantly it was at the KMT's invitation, everything fell apart. He's saying I hate this party, but I will form an alliance with this party, which confuses people. Which one will be President Tsai's successor? This question is attracting much attention from the foreign media. Taiwan's first-ever Disney-themed medical ward has arrived at the Taipei Medical University Hospital. The Health Center on Tuesday held a press conference to present the cartoon ward together with its Goodwill ambassador, Mendel Pop singer Cindy Wong. 
Wong connected with the kids at the event by offering them presents and revealing her favorite Disney character, Ariel from The Little Mermaid. Let's hear from Wong. I hope this will provide a happy, relaxed, and worry-free medical environment for children. If I were a child and got to see all these Disney characters joining me on my medical visits, it would really cheer me up. If possible, we should get a second and third hospital to do this. This one is in northern Taiwan, but we hope to also have these in central and southern Taiwan, so that all these children with severe diseases have a chance to have a hospital stay full of happiness. Hospitals shouldn't be a cold and gloomy place. I think this approach is fantastic. Disney has collaborated with more than 750 hospitals around the world to bring its magic to young patients. The company says it hopes to work together with more hospitals in Taiwan to bring laughter and joy and keep out the gloom. Over the course of 2023, Taiwan shares have gone up by 24 percent, outperforming bourses in India and South Korea. The rapid growth of the Taiex has been in part thanks to the rise of artificial intelligence. Taiwanese companies form important parts of the AI supply chain. On Tuesday, Taiwan shares hit a high of 17,751 points, and analysts say the market could hit 18,000 points, 18, points before the elections on January 13th. Using a laptop to produce animations and videos, or blurring the background and adjusting angles during a teleconference call are processes that require AI and high-performance chips. Industry players have an eye on the expansion of AI applications, and 2024 is looking like a breakthrough year for AI PC technology. Business opportunities are expected to skyrocket in 2025, benefiting Taiwanese enterprises. Generative AI will only become bigger and more mature. In 2020, the pandemic got people working from home and upgrading their equipment. So another wave of equipment upgrade is expected four to five years after that. The rise of AI is also reflected in the stock market. On Tuesday, Taiwan shares opened high and rose higher, gaining 100 points in the morning trading session to hit a peak of 17,751 points. Bellwether TSMC stocks gained 5 NT to hit 586 NT. On the front of AI concept stocks, Compal shares grew 5.26%, and the shares of computer brands such as Acer and MicroStar International hit new highs. AI servers and the AI PC supply chain have a huge global market share. Taiwan shares stand to benefit greatly as business opportunities in the sector boom. Over the past year, Taiwan shares have gone up by 24%, in part owing to their close relationship with the AI supply chain. The increase has beaten out the growth in the National Stock Exchange of India and the Korea Exchange, which gained about 16% over 2023. The Taiwan Stock Exchange was one of the biggest winners in Asia this year. The Hong Kong Stock Exchange did the worst, falling by 17%. China's SSE Composite Index fell by 5% as well. The performance of Taiwan shares has been outstanding. If trading volume can increase after foreign investors return next week, the market could break past the 18,000-point mark before Election Day. 
The analysts gave a positive outlook for the Taiwan market, which is driven by growth and AI. With the election coming up and economic forecasts signaling recovery, investors say the index could break past 18,000 points once again. Starting January 1st, taxis departing from Taipei's Songshan Airport will be charging an additional 50 NT fee, meaning the taxi meters will start at 135 NT. The additional surcharge is intended to incentivize taxi drivers to service the airport, where taxi shortages are common at peak hours. Though the extra 50 NT could bring cabbies back, some fear it could drive passengers away from taking a taxi from the airport. Travelers push their luggage after landing in the capital. To reduce the hassle, many choose to take a taxi home. Starting January 1st, riding a taxi from Taipei Songshan Airport will incur an additional 50 anti surcharge. Of course, we will still come here to get passengers. But if we're making money elsewhere, we'll just stay there. We might only come in if we have an empty car. Currently, about 1,400 cars are authorized to pick up passengers at Taipei Songshan Airport. But amid high costs and strong competition among cab companies in the city, only about 350 taxis regularly come to the airport. This has resulted in arrivals often not finding cabs to ride and a lot of empty taxis waiting idle during off-peak hours. To encourage drivers to head to the airport, the regulatory body in charge of taxi rates has decided to reinstate a surcharge that has been dormant for 16 years. That means that starting 2024, the base fare for taxis at the airport will be 135 NT. To a certain extent, it will affect interest in taking a taxi. But I also think that having the taxis lining up there comes at a cost. If I have the energy, I might walk out of the airport and flag down a taxi outside. There are a lot of travellers right now and there might not be enough taxis at the airport. So we thought of incentives to get everyone to come back. We expect at least 30% of taxi drivers have come back, but there could be a drop of up to 20% in passengers. Operators have already updated taxi meters to start charging the additional fee starting January 1st, and signs have been put up to inform passengers. Originally, the 50 anti-surcharge had been instated at several airports around Taiwan, where only cars of an age of six years or less were allowed to provide services. That included Kaohsiung International Airport and Taoyuan International Airport. But the opening of the high-speed rail in 2007 resulted in a drop of passengers for domestic air routes, which prompted Songshan Airport to suspend the fee for 16 years. At peak hours or when the weather is bad, there aren't enough taxis to meet demand. So we hope that this measure will encourage more drivers to come back to the airport. The increase in rates is hoped to bring more taxis to the airport, but whether the inflated prices will cause ridership to fall remains to be seen. Taiwan loves pets, and more and more households in Taiwan have furry friends at home. To celebrate everyone's love for animals, the Taiwan Good Association and the Taiwan Electrical Appliance Association will be holding a fair on January 4th. The goal is for everyone to bring over their beloved pets and learn more about animal care and other related issues. Let's hear from the organizers. 
There are too many pets in Taiwan, and that leads to many problems. For example, pets get sick and they die. At this event we're organizing, we will bring in some vets from National Pingdong University of Science and Technology. There will also be performances. According to the registry at the Ministry of Agriculture, there are more than 3 million pet animals in Taiwan. So we have teamed up with the Taiwan Good Association to hold this event. We at the Taiwan Electrical Appliance Association are very happy to help, so that more people can better understand our cute companions. The event will take place at Da'an Forest Park. On the program are events to interact with guide dogs and musical performances, as well as games to experience what it's like to live as a blind person. Organizers hope animal lovers will come together to celebrate the new year together with their furry friends. When she was 10, Yang Wanli and her family immigrated to Taiwan from Myanmar. They settled down in a neighborhood in New Taipei's Zhonghe that's made up of predominantly ethnic Chinese from Myanmar. Over the years, Yang has set up a workshop that offers tours that introduce the local food and culture. Now she's gone a step further by opening up her own Burmese restaurant that serves the dishes she remembers from her childhood. Yang Wan Li came to Taiwan from Myanmar at the age of 10 and settled down on Hua Xin Street in New Taipei's Zhonghe District. Hua Xin Street happens to be Taiwan's largest settlement of ethnic Chinese from Myanmar. And Yang has been promoting her neighborhood over the years by organizing tours and giving magazine interviews so that people can get to know this place that she now calls home. Earlier this year, she opened a restaurant that serves dishes from her hometown of Tangyen. As the chef, Yang hopes to share with everyone the dishes of her childhood that she fondly remembers. One of the first dishes she serves is fried pork with pickled vegetables. The stir-fried pork with pickled vegetables is something I've eaten since I was a child. I've been eating it for as long as I can remember, but I never knew how to make the pickled vegetables. Another dish is this one made with bright red chung chili and is packed with tomatoes. It's quite spicy. The word chong means to pound. Let me warn you, it's super hot. From platters to main dishes to soups and desserts, everyone savoured not only the delicious food, but also the story she tells. Dangyang is my birthplace, so it is the starting point of the story of my family. Most of the food on our dining table was Yunnan cuisine. However, because we lived in Myanmar, on our dining table we also had Burmese cuisine. And because Dangyang is a town in the Shan state of Myanmar, Shan cuisine would also appear on our dining table, which is the so-called Bai cuisine. And you could also find that on our dining table. So from the dishes on a dining table, you can view an immigrant's journey. It's like having a banquet at home. While tasting the food, her customers can listen to her story and come to understand the migration of the ethnic Chinese in Myanmar. Yang Wan Li hopes that Vietnamese and Thai food banquets can also be held in the future so that other immigrants can tell their own stories through their unique cuisine and that their new friends in Taiwan can savour their history through the five senses.